Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BeFund Technology. Their mission, your vision, our solution. You'll get a team of dedicated professionals who care about your vision. BeFund Technology provides organizations of all sizes with the best, most trustworthy IT solutions in this ever-evolving technology market. Good day, listeners. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, host of the Two Mics Up podcast. We're back today with another amazing guest, actually here in our own backyard here in the DMV. We uh, have a man who has done and doing so much. Um, I'm proud to be able to have him join us today. I'm proud to be in his presence. Uh, You know, we've met really just, well, once officially, but twice kind of off off shot uh, of a few other events in the community, but um, this man is an inspiration. And, you know, Lisa, you know, your history with this gentleman goes back a little further than mine. And I know you feel like I do. So, you know, you want to share a few words before we allow this king to introduce himself to our listeners? Absolutely. Good afternoon, listeners. Hey, bruh. I hope all is well with everyone. I am ecstatic, excited uh, for Carl Armstrong to be here. I've met this man um, at a couple of uh, rallies and then I listened to his uh, show that he has caused conversation also hard for the community. We'll get into that later. And I mean, the topics that was going off, popping off in this. I mean, I was in the comments like Medea. I was just typing and typing. But I really got to know him and um, his heart, his spirit, his wife, uh, Atisha Armstrong. They just really... Um, good, good, grounded, down-to-earth people. So I am really excited for this show. And I'm really excited for our relationship that we forged out of a hard time. Um, We forged this relationship, came out of uh, 2020 in the community and pushing and doing things. And it's just been a good fit. And I'm I'm just so happy for that. So, you know, I could go on and on. I love the Armstrong. So (laughs) I'm going to go ahead, brother. (laughs) Well, look. Without any further ado, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Carl Armstrong to our listeners. Carl, please give us uh, an introduction of who you are and what you're about and what you're doing here in the DMV community. Well, first of all, I want to tell you thank you to you, Damon, and to you, Alyssa, for inviting me to two mics up. It is a signal honor to be a part of your show. I am a listener. I am a fan. Uh, of the the art and the science of your show. So for me to be here with you two, I feel like uh, right before I came over here to my hotel room, my my stepdad said, boy, you're getting popular, ain't you? I said, "Uh, (laughs) if these two invited me, I guess I have. So thank you so much. It it really is uh, humbling to be here. Uh, For the audience, uh, let me see where do I start. I got to the region in 2012 uh, through my job. I am a senior telecom engineer with one of the healthcare organizations uh, in the region. Uh, I serve as assistant pastor uh, at Spirit of Truth Deliverance Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where Apostle Larry G. Brown Sr. is the senior pastor. I am the director of operations for Heart for the Community Initiative, which is a nonprofit community-based organization and uh, we help the community through community events. And we do, man, so much 
through Hartford the community. You really can't pigeonhole us uh, when we're not hosting events for you know ourselves. You know, giving out food and school supplies and clothing and making sure people can get uh, blood pressure and blood sugar checks and uh, getting uh, classes, free classes now on uh, resume writing, interviewing skills, uh, all those types of things I could go on and on. I'm also the host for the Heart for the Community interview series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that series came about uh, 2020, like Alyssa was saying, during the introduction through hard times. And from that interview series, I spun off uh, Carl's Conversations, which is a place where we can, we can get down at the root level and deal with some stuff that nonprofits may not want to deal with. Mm. All right. And uh, also I serve in a uh, organization called enough. I'm so proud to be a part of this organization. I am the initiative leader for criminal justice reform. So those are a few things. And uh, those are the things that are near and dear to my heart. And uh, I'm absolutely loving it. Well, we are absolutely loving you and the work that you're doing. You know, we have the pleasure here uh, at Two Mics Up, like I said, of uh, being affiliated with you, uh, the Enough Group. We just uh, had uh, Gary Holland on, uh, an excellent interview and the the work that he's doing with Enough and other things like yourself. We've had, Elisa and I at different occasions have had the pleasure of joining you on Carl's Conversations. Excellent excellent show um and people if you have not we, we will allow carl to share that information at the end but it's definitely a must tune in um and with all of these hats and all of these things that you're doing in the community carl like what inspires you you know what is that that gives you that zhuzh that you want to go out here and do these things every day and secondly explain to us how did that actually lead into you know heart for the community and, and for cause conversations. You gave us a little bit, but I, I want to go a little bit deeper. Okay. Well, what drives me is I love God. I love his people. And uh, helping people uh, come second nature to me. Uh, I was always a kid in school who would go after the bully. When the bully was messing with people, I was a dude that wanted to know, you want to fight me? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um I remember years ago when I was on active duty in the army and my dad uh, was looking at one of my uh, evaluation reports. And that evaluation report said that Sergeant Armstrong consistently chooses the hard right over the easy wrong. Mm. And he said, son, this really is you. This has been you since you were a baby. You know, so some some of these things, uh, when you say what drives me, uh, were innate. They they came with the package. I, I I was born like that. Um, I really do love God's people. Um, for me, when I look for examples of behavior and what ought to be done, I always look at Christ. And when you look at <clears throat> his character uh, uh, throughout the New Testament, you see that wherever he went, he dealt with uh, outcasts, mm. you know, and he had a, a, a serious, serious love and care for poor people, people without Remember, he said that what you do for the least of these, you're done also unto me. I carry that. And um, I know what it feels like to be on the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I have a heart for people on the outside, people who have trouble making ends meet. So it comes very natural. And that's a fire that burns uh, that doesn't have to be rekindled. It just 
It just is. Mm. Uh, be, but to be honest with you, uh, it took a long time for me to get here. Uh, I was sharing with Gary Holland, and you mentioned him. He was the guest last week. Gary Holland is a big brother to me. I respect him. I honor him. I look up to him. And uh, every time Gary and I get together, I get another job and another mm. title. <laughs> Gary gets into a lot of stuff. Alyssa, you know that. <laughs> but I thank God for him uh, because of my uh, fellowship with him. It has opened many doors. So uh, when the when we got hit with the, uh, uh, the coronavirus in 2020 and all the restrictions started, I was like, oh, man, what are we going to do with Heart for the Community? Because like so many other uh, businesses and organizations, we had to rethink how we would reach our audience, the people that we serve, because with the restrictions, you, you know, you can't go out and go do a community event and have three, four, five hundred people, you know, in one place. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea came uh, to start doing interviews and that came from. Uh, Gary Holland. I was trying to figure it. And so he said, you want to interview my wife? You know, she owns Blessed Hands. And so that was the first interview. After that, I was just amazed at his production. I said, man, how do you do that? And he turned me on to uh, to StreamYard. Mm-hmm. And I just started messing with it. And after the second or third interview, uh, I told Gary, I said, you know what, bro? I think I found my voice for years I knew there was something more I was supposed to be doing uh, than than preaching the word. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that is not fulfilling because it is. It is a tremendous responsibility and it's a great honor to be called of Christ to do this. But I always knew um, there was something else for me to do with my gifts. And when this uh, opened up, it just, if anybody's ever played baseball, it's like, when your bat makes contact with the ball, they call it the sweet spot. When you hit that sweet spot, you don't even feel it. And there's a certain sound. And usually if you got a good swing and the ball hit the sweet spot, you can just watch it sail out of the park. I've hit my rhythm. Uh, And for your drummer, I'm playing in the pocket. So that's what this feels like to me. So we started with the Heart for the Community interview series. And like I was telling y'all before, uh, I started dealing with some subject matter that I was thinking, man, you know, this is probably better served somewhere else. Uh, I don't think this is the right venue uh, for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And remember when I'm dealing with Heart for the Community initiative, I am not the president and there are other directors and there are people who are affected. And so I represent a lot of people um, when I'm doing heart for the community. So when I spun off Carl's Conversations, uh, the model there is Carl's Conversations is a safe place to have difficult mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. We were dealing with so many difficult things. I mean, the thing that happened to Mr. Floyd yeah. up in Minneapolis uh, in May, and then all of the, uh, the things that were happening, you know, after that, uh, Black people finally had a, a voice that the rest of the nation and the rest of the world were willing to hear. Mm-hmm. And out of that came many, many very difficult conversations. A post on Facebook can't really deal uh, completely like some of the things we handle on the show. No. So Carl's Conversations came about as another outlet to deal with some, some more sensitive issues. And it just blossomed. It is amazing. Uh, my wife, I have to mention her because to be quite honest with you, 
without her, Carl's Conversations and Heart for the Community Initiative interview series is not what it is. She is not, not a person who likes the spotlight, uh, but I do have enough sense to listen to her, right? Mm. And she has so many ideas. She, you know, she hasn't been wrong yet. None of her ideas have been wrong at all yet. Look, I, um, look I'm, I'm just sitting here listening. I just got to turn to my right because I got I got an executive producer, vice president, wife. That everything you just said, I just had to turn, make sure she paying attention because I live the same thing every day. And you're you're 200 right. You know, without her and without my wonderful, you know, co-host, I would not be. We would not be. This would not be. Um, so I agree with you and kudos to you and your wife and kudos to her for staying on you because you are doing an excellent job in the community and everything you. that you're doing. And David, I got to tell you something. You, you might not know this, but those two ladies that you work with, they allow you to think that you're in charge. You, oh, I, I want know. you to know that now. Oh, look, look. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me, Carl. I've been down this road. We've been together almost 30 years. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, I may be the man of the house, but I'm not the man of the house. I, I know how this works. And I, I like sleeping in my bed. There you go. There you go. Well, the good thing for you guys um, is that you have very uh, good counterparts, right? That complement you so well. I have the opportunity to know both of you, uh, you guys as wives. And, uh, you know, you are blessed. And highly favored, okay. and you, 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 you know, you, you married up, you married well. Yeah. So <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely agree to that. But I'm going to give y'all some, you know. Some credit. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I could have done a lot worse. Uh, hey, look, like I said, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, and I, I did uh, marry up, and you know, and <laughs> something that you said um, with heart for the community and the things that you're doing. Uh, you're working on or leading the criminal justice initiative. And right. um, I really want to just take something because that's something that, you know, that's a piece of your entity that you're working on. And in today's time, you know, like you said, George Floyd and all of these unfortunate deaths and basically, in my opinion, all our slaughter on the black community. Yes. Can you talk about that criminal justice initiative just a little bit? And what's sure. that about? Because I think we may need to hear or know more about that, you know, especially here in the DMV. When you uh, look at the criminal justice uh, as a whole, mm -hmm. you have three major parts, uh, courts, law enforcement, uh, jails and prisons. Those are your three major deals. Uh, historically, uh, institutionally, uh, black people have not had a fair shake when it comes to our interaction with the criminal justice system and those three major categories. We don't get a fair shake when it comes to our contact with law enforcement. We don't get a fair shake when it comes to uh, sentencing, uh, bail, parole, probation, when it comes to jails and prisons and courts, the sentencing portion is, is courts. Uh, I, could, I could give you all kind of numbers. Uh, I've uh, spent many hours researching these things. So what we're trying to do in enough is bring, uh, number one, awareness to uh, the mistreatment. You know, we, we can say we've been mistreated, but you have to quantify that, right? This is how. And then uh, with awareness, we want to close the gap. We don't want to be uh, just sitting in a corner pointing the finger 
you know, uh, look at the white police, look at this system. The system doesn't work for us. Well, that's part of what we had to say because those things are true. Mm-hmm. But now what do we do about it? Right. Uh, already uh, enough has facilitated uh, two different events with law enforcement working with the youth in the area. You know, how do you behave when you get stopped? Um, uh, enough as a whole works with, especially have a pretty good relationship with staff, uh, Stafford County Sheriff's Department, especially during the summer when we were doing the protests and all that. We do know the sheriff. We know several of the uh, high ranking officials. We do know several of the officers. So forging uh, a good and healthy relationships with law enforcement is a great help. So uh, that's where we are uh, trying to bring awareness and then moving into a place where we are active and making things better. Uh, just on uh, this past Wednesday night, and I was not a part of it because I was doing so many other things, but thank God for Gary Holland, he, he headed this. There, there was a, a call dealing with uh, the jails and um, the inmates there, uh, their safety. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but in jails and prisons all across our country, you have a lot of inmates who complain of not being safeguarded with COVID. Mm-hmm. I have a first cousin who is in prison in Maryland. He's a part of Maryland um, uh, State Department of Corrections. And I know from him firsthand the conversation, this ain't secondhand, it's me talking to him. Uh, the, the staff has not really done a good job at segregating uh, those who have COVID from those who do not. And the testing took forever. So, you know, people can say, well, they did X, Y, and Z, throw them in jail and lock away the key. But you have to ask yourself, you know, most of the people who get locked up are coming out. Do you want the person that's coming to your community, to your community to be rehabilitated truly and ready to be an active positive part of society and the community? Mm. Or do you want a person who is a more hardened criminal uh, when they get out than what they were when they went in? Because at the end of the day, they're going to eat. Right. Now, right. They, they can either eat the right way or they can bust you in your head mm-hmm. and eat. We want to make sure that they eat the right way. You know, even when it comes in, and you can say this this falls under, you know, civic action or voting, but even, you know, stripping forever a, a convicted felon uh, from voting forever. L- look at what happened in this last election. Mm-hmm. We were pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Hey, listen, if you guys are out, uh, you need to petition your governor for your for your uh, right, right to vote. To, uh, vote. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, um, and, and I am I am not partisan. I'm independent, but some things you just can see it is not partisan. There's one party who you you're going to have a pretty good chance of getting those rights restored, mm-hmm. and there's one party that you're not. You know, and uh, that's a shame. So there are many things that we need to be talking about. What got us really upset and all up in arms was our interaction with law enforcement. You know, black folks have a hard way to go in our nation when it comes to interaction with law enforcement. And I hope that anybody who listens to this who may not understand, please, please don't waste your time with a comment saying if if you guys will stop committing crimes. How many incidents have we had? where blacks were not committing crimes. Mm-hmm. If barbecuing in a park is a crime, right? selling an eight-year-old girl selling water is a crime. Preach it. Walking in a neighborhood is a crime. Okay? And uh, the Constitution gives us certain rights when it comes to our uh, interaction with law enforcement. And you can see by what happened at the Capitol on January mm-hmm. 6th. Okay. 
Okay, when when BLM marched on Washington, man, let me tell you something. It was National Guard everywhere. Everywhere. Those uh, mostly uh, white uh, protesters, and uh, you got to call them rioters. They weren't no protesters. They were rioters and thugs and criminals, just like the jokers call us. Uh, but it seems like nobody thought they would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, harming. You know, people told me, well, th- th- those weren't Trump people. Trump supporters don't behave like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. All that was white, was a white America looking at itself in the mirror. <laughs> and they were comfortable <laughs> with what they saw. Uh, all I saw was MAGA hats and, uh, and, and Trump flags and American flags. I, yeah. I didn't see anything that said. Was, yeah, look, they was comfortable. <laughs> yeah. They was comfortable. They, they Listen, knew what was going on. They opened up the gate for them. I have a friend who told me that. And I said, well, bro, you know, when we were telling y'all uh, it was Antifa that was uh, kicking up dust uh, in the summertime with some of the BLM stuff, y'all didn't believe that. But you sure want us to believe <laughs> that. You know? So from what I understand, from, from now this is the reports that I have heard. Can't tell you what you've heard. None of those people that they've caught have claimed to be Antifa or have been found to be Antifa. Nope. These were um, uh, Boogaloo boys yeah. and uh, Proud boys and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the Q people, QAnon, yeah. all of who are devout uh, Trump supporters. So uh, once again, I'm not trying to be political, but it is what it is. So when you talk about criminal justice, you know, I just talked for the last 10 minutes. It, it is such a wide range of things. And we want to be able to have an effect right here and this uh, staff response of your Prince William County areas mm-hmm. uh, to help our citizens here. First of all, to be made aware, help them to get engaged. And now after we're engaged, we have to do things. We have to keep our politicians accountable and we have to keep those persons who are in positions of authority and responsibility uh, throughout the criminal justice system. We got to keep them uh, accountable too. That That's very important. That's why I asked the question. I think we really need to, uh, build or uh, work on building more initiatives and programs like this uh, throughout pockets of the country. Uh, so we start understanding what questions, uh, well, not even before we get to the question, what expectations are we putting down that we want in these dialogues or these conversations or agendas uh, and educate ourselves and build on these initiatives throughout the country. So that's the main reason why I asked the question. <laughs> well, that that is true. I, I mean, criminal justice is my baby. That's some place that I live and I breathe. But it gets sometimes it just gets so heavy because it's just so lopsided. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of work to do um, there. But Carl, I do have a question for you. Okay. Per se, what what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned in life, and how have you used that? knowledge and what you are, you know, doing now in the community? Uh, I wouldn't give a singular answer because there's, there's, there are several uh, lessons that all are number one to me. First and foremost, what comes to my mind, I hope I don't get emotional. My maternal grandmother is the one who introduced all of us to Christ. And one thing that she always told us, treat people the way you want to be treated. That has carried me into places that I never thought I would get to. Uh, God has blessed me and given me favor with people, places, and things that I know I didn't deserve or earn, but he honored 
that I honor that you treat people the way you want to be treated, even people who don't treat you right. And that takes a lot of maturity, natural and spiritual, to be able to do that. Even people who mistreat you, that is a great, great lesson. Another lesson, uh, the scripture says that God is not mocked for whatever man sows, it also shall he reap. God can see a black bug on a black rock in the middle of the darkest night. So knowing always that his eyes are upon us, specifically upon me, um, it makes me uh, behave myself when the flesh call would really want to do some things that are not quite what you call Christian-like, Christ-like. <laughs> but knowing that uh, if I cover my head, my feet will show. And if I cover my feet, my head will show. Uh, cause me to behave correctly. And I, I will say another thing, you know, when it comes to um, being a family man, uh, being a father and a husband, I like to use the five P's. You have to be the protector, the provider, the patriarch, the priest, and the prophet of your home. And I could get it. We can have a whole other interview about lessons I've learned and the, uh, the marital relationship, the relationship of father and daughter, father and son. Those are where the rubber really meets the road. Mm -hmm. And when your household is in harmony, when you are raising children the right way, uh, they blossom and they become uh, very integral portions of our society, of our community and of our churches. And when we don't do it right, uh, we have lost a whole generation. Uh, when, when crack came about, crack was able to have the uh, negative influence in the black community that mm -hmm. it did right. because there was already a decay. We had already fallen away. Mm -hmm. And so um, in our neighborhood, in my neighborhood that I come from was rough. But then about to want to mess it up because my daddy was crazy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I know that's right. So, uh, so when it comes to just some some things to know about life, some real life lessons, I could go on and on. But those three right there really, really stick out. And I'm gonna tell you something. These are two good things. Number one, when we're dealing with millennials and that younger generation, they can smell a phony all day. We really need to be transparent with them and honest with them. If you really want to deal with young people, they smell a phony. Uh, unlike in generations past, when they wanted their preachers to be perfect, this generation will accept an imperfect preacher as long as he or she is transparent and has a high uh, a degree of integrity. You know, that's that's really, 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 really. That's really, really big. That's profound right there. Yeah. That's profound. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that millennials and Generation Z and those coming up, they have a whole different perspective of the world. Yes. So I think that it is important that we integrate with them, listen to them. They do things very differently than us. Right. They think differently than us. Not to say that their thinking is wrong, but we have to be in a position to hone that thinking, to develop it, to grow it and to be there and not like so much as 
our generations was was a little bit silent you you know we children were you know to be seen and not heard and you know our opinion didn't really hold that much weight <laughs> or we had to you know follow in the footsteps of what our parents and our hierarchy thought we didn't have those freedoms and i think that we should shed some of that um closed doorness and you know that kind of thinking we need to evolve because man these people are smart okay they they monsters <laughs> man they monsters you're right we, we just gotta learn. we gotta listen we gotta learn how to listen and share our knowledge yeah so that they can they do want what they us do. to pour out yeah they want us but they don't want us to be hypocrites well i think too no. they don't want us no. to, to i think one of the problems that i talk with a, a gentleman uh I was on another show and, you know, young gentleman, young king, this brother 23. And we just talked about it. You know, we, uh, our generation has a way of talking down to them. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking with them or talking to them. We're not receiving what they're saying. And he said, that's really the the biggest problem. And I think our generation really has to, like Lisa, open up that door, peel back the layers and be a sieve. Receive them and give your knowledge based on what you're receiving not telling them how they should be doing this and that and the third, like we tend to do. I, I'm going to have to ask this then. So as a man of faith and your involvement in the church, you know, mm -hmm. where are our spiritual leaders? Like where, where are they? Where, where have they gone? I mean, we don't see them like we did in the past. Many are way more active than you think, uh, but they may not be uh, on social media shows like I am. Mm. And I want to make sure people understand something, too. I am not a senior pastor, right? A senior pastor has a much different role than one of the associate pastors. I'm an associate. I'm an assistant, right? Um, that senior pastor is the one who God has made the angel of that church. He or she has responsibility for the souls of, of those persons. And... Uh, God hold them responsible for that. See, you got to know your sheep. Mm -hmm. One needs to be pet. One needs to be popped. One needs to be uh, picked up and held. The other you can send way down the road. They're going to do what you tell them to do and come back. And so a lot of us really don't understand what some of these pastors are dealing with in their own flocks. And, and we have to be careful when pointing a finger and say they are not. Many of them, and I'm I tell this from my own experience, are way more heavily involved behind the scenes than you think. And then there's another dynamic. They're human. Mm -hmm. And so some of this threw a lot of them so far off of their rocker. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, I'm in a group that's uh, all different races and all that. We're dealing with racial reconciliation in the church. And I know I was, I wasn't angry. I was mad. I want to know where these white evangelical pastors are when you see all this blood in the street and it's obvious that we're not treated right, especially them suckers mm. who pass the black folks. That, then now I could be transparent with y'all, right? Right, right. right That's right. how I was yeah. thinking yeah. for real. Yeah. I wasn't angry. I was mad, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so... Working in this group, know what I learned? Some of them really didn't know. Hmm. See, we assume that they know. Mm -hmm. Some of them, when we opened up and shared, 
When I tell you it blew their wig off, they were like, oh my God. Because now you're not looking at TV and dealing with somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Now you listen to somebody who you know, who you trust, and who you love, and no wouldn't lie to you. Okay. And I'm saying, this has been my experience. Not only with the police, this has been my experience with you. Mm-hmm. Some of them had to really get themselves together. Same thing when it comes to some of our uh, black and brown pastors. Uh, I have a little bit more freedom than some of the senior pastors. And to be honest with you, uh, I'll say this, and I'm not taking a stab at uh, any of the pastors. I'm a different kind of guy, because even if I was a senior pastor, unless I was constrained by the Holy Spirit, I'm, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, I'm, I'm bold. I, I come from that type of family. I come from those type of people. Um, I don't run from anything. And when it's time to stand up, I'm going to stand up. Even if I stand by myself, uh, there are some things worth dying over. Okay. And, and I'm ready. And that, that's the, that's the really reason why I asked. Thank you. Because I, I just, I don't know, or, and this is just my personal opinion and my personal view. I don't see that conviction anymore from uh, men and women of the cloth mm. in the church and the black community anymore. And, I know we live in a different time. We're also dealing with a pandemic and reaching out to your constituents and your sheep and your flock of the church is different now. But Mm -hmm. even on that level, sometimes it feels, I mean, I can only say it how I see it. Like we're going through the motions. We're doing this because we are a church and this is what a church normally does on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But I don't see or feel it like I did when I was a child where you felt it outside the church, outside the community, you know, it was there. You knew who in the community was doing what, what initiatives were going on. Like now it just feels like we're almost like zombie like, and I appreciate you sharing that honesty because I, you're the first person that I've outside of my personal friend who is a pastor gave me a very similar response as you did. And I found that few and far between. Yeah, I'll tell you also. I think that's one of the things that, sorry, Carl, I just want to say this really quickly. I think that's one of the things that um, uh, Carl has, right? Sometimes you have it, Mm -hmm. right? And the the relatability factor to people of all walks of life, all, you know, different phases of your faith. You can kind of, when you, around call and t-show or on the show you you hear the lord but you also hear something that is relatable Mm -hmm. that is different it is not a situation where you're being preached at Mm -hmm. or talked to you're almost invited into the conversation Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith is where they meet you where you're at, but with today's situation and what's going on. And it's almost like, well, I feel the same way, but I'm not really an active, active Christian. Right. So I don't know how to be. And it's just, it's just almost like Carl and um, Tisha and, and uh, Gary, they have that, that draws the people like us in. And we get a little closer and a little closer because it feels like, okay, well, we're not being preached at, but we understand where you're coming from because we feel that anger. 
We feel mm-hmm. the same anger, but then it's displaced. You don't know what to do with it or where to go. So that was a good point, Dane. Thank you for that. And thank you, Carl, for um, that. Because I will, I will add I this. Personally. <laughs> I, will, I will add this. Just remember, all preachers have a, a call and, and a gifting and, and certain talents, right? Mm-hmm. Some would be out of place dealing with racial justice, social justice, criminal mm-hmm. justice. That they would be out of place, and you don't want a person out of place. Mm-hmm. I have been called to the castaways. I've been called to those people who uh, are, are not part of the mainstream. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So issues like this, God has called me to that. So I'm doing what I've been called to do, and I don't make it my business to get in God's business or other folks' business about what they've been called to do. You know what I'm saying? Well, well so, said. Very good. Well said. Mm-hmm. That that right now, you you've got my mind stoked for another another episode. <laughs> We're gonna have to get some answers <laughs> on here because I want to chop it up. I want. I got some questions. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for another episode. So, with all the recent um, turmoil, the unrest in the USA, and what, in your opinion, how can the black community evolve and move forward under the Biden Harris um, administration? This may sound odd, but this is where I am with it. We will have to lead and we will have to forgive. We're not going to be able to lead until we forgive. You see, we have to get to the point where uh, it's, no, it's, no, it's not about finger pointing anymore. We already know what the problem is. We already know where the problem is. But, but now we have to deal with those who are ready and willing. And the ninth chapter of Acts, that was the Damascus Road experience with Paul, right? Uh, Saul. Saul was a devout Jew who was persecuting Christians, right? Those who believed in Christ. Christ confronted him, knocked him off of his horse, blinded him, and called him into service. His, his, his buddies walked him into uh, the town to a place called Straight Street to an end. God called uh, on a prophet to go lay hands on him and pray for him. And when he called the man, the man said, Jesus, you, 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 you're talking about Saul? Saul who persecute those who call on your name? You want me to go lay hands? Kill him. There's a lot in there. We have to be like the brother who Jesus called. We have to go now lay hands on those who persecuted us, those who mistreated us, those who are ready and willing now. I'm not talking about those who still trying to slay you. Many of them over this last year, seeing what happened with Mr. Floyd, and then that opened up a portal for them to begin to study what blacks have been through in this country. And now you see what happened on January 6th when people are fed lies and they believe it. Some of them are so hurt, so disappointed and so lost, they're gonna be coming to us. And we can't be standoffish. We can't tell them it's not my job to do such and such and such. You go, no, no. We're gonna have to forgive just like the brother did. And let me tell you what that brother did. When he went and laid his hands on Saul, 
he called him brother. He had to get over the fact that just the day before, Saul was trying to kill him. Jesus told him, I've called him in the service, so you go do what I told you to do. That's where black people are who are willing. Some will and some won't. But for those of us who are willing, we're going to have to be put our big boy and big girl's rolls on, forgive, and then go do what God has called us to do. Go be part of the salve to love on them and teach them, give them fellowship and friendship, learn them. That's a great lesson I'm learning and undivided, the group dealing with the racial reconciliation in the church. It's easy to call a person a name when they're just a person who you don't know. But then after a, a foot washing service, when you just wash the feet of a stranger, a stranger just washed your feet and their tears are hitting your feet. They're no longer a stranger. And so we, we're going we're gonna to have to get over our anger. Some of us, like me, going to have to do it with anger. But I got to put aside Carl's anger and deal with God's forgiveness. So what do you say to people who just feel, um, you know, that they're untrusting because you've been down this road of reconciliation and not much has moved and it's still you know the needle is not moved much so mm -hmm. how what do you say to people that are weary and um feel you know like they don't trust enough to be forgiving because it just doesn't it feels like the same old thing or that um, we forgive now and then we get the knife in our back later. So what do you say to people who struggles um, uh, with that me. portion of it, of forgiveness? Yeah, I mean, we're, it's a true, honest question because yes, of course, we're, yeah. you're weary. You're looking at a I, sign. I have an answer. Mm -hmm. The answer is trust God. See, when, when you raise your hand to serve God, it's really not about what others do. God will send you to serve somebody who's trying to kill you. You understand what I mean? And, and so it takes a certain amount of maturity. So the question is, do you want to be at a level of maturity where you can just obey God and trust God? Because when, when God is leading me to do something, I had to grow to the point where I'm not looking for adoration or gratitude from those who I help. Let me tell you something. If you do work in the community, feeding and clothing, sometimes they can be the most ungrateful folks in the world. I had a woman, this is no joke. This was uh, last year, 2019, I think it was. We had an event. Part of the event was giving away clothing, clothing and uh, school supplies. She got all the supplies she needed. for. She had two girls on the board. She told me, well, I got everything for my girls, but y'all don't have nothing out here for those six-year-old boys. I looked at her and I said, well, mother, you got for your girls everything that they needed at no cost. And now you only have to deal with the cost of your boy. God is good, ain't he? Mm -hmm. I, right. said, I said it with a smile on my face, but to be quite honest with you, that really was not how I was feeling. I was incensed. But my job was not to be the captain of her emotions. My job was to go serve. And that's what I did. She would have to answer to God for how she behaved. 
I will have to answer for God for how I behave. Well said on that one. And uh, I, I, I get and I, I see the point of yeah, uh, some of the things I do agree and I don't agree, but I do agree mostly with the fact that that still means I still have some growing <laughs> to do. No, and I know, no, I know, all of us do, but I'm just being Amen. honest. All of we, us do. We're going to really talk about it. Like all that just it. means for me, I know what my shortcomings are, and I still need to grow towards right. those to hopefully do better. Because right now I'm in the boat of, man, look, I'm tired of sitting, waiting and being apologetic. And man, look, I already know the outcome. That's how I feel. But I know I do have to uh, find a way to continue to serve, as you said, and keep continuing to do what I do. But right. I'm speaking. That's my humanity speaking right now. That's just how Dane feels right now. Well, listen, I have to can stay in prayer because sometimes. Go ahead. Sometimes the, the slapping and cussing spirit wants to take me over too. But uh, now I'm just, just being transparent, right? So don't think that 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 I too don't have growing to do, right? Uh, if, if it were not for the Lord, <laughs> y'all can finish that whatever way you want to. That's real talk. That's real talk. I know I'll tell you. I'll be the pistol with the whole bunch of man. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think that's just common. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's just of the flesh. Yeah, that's just yeah. how it is, right? <laughs> but not all black people are Christians. Not all of uh, our black community are, you know, that way. Some are of the other um, religion and none at all. So it's just, I don't know. I just always feel like, how can we bridge those gaps? Right between believers, non-believers, or people of other faith, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it is you know the United States um, almost divides us up. Like if you're not Christian, and then the black community, I feel, does the same thing. Because if you're not Christian, then you know this is not. But how do we bridge those gaps to move forward as one? You know. Well, here's another thing, and, and we're doing a great job of it here. While we are working with uh, our non-black uh, uh, brothers and sisters who want to work with us, we also have to support each other. I am pro-black and I am also not anti-white, anti-Asian, anti-Latino. You understand what I'm saying? We right. need help. Right. We need help. And so I'm all the way with it. My wife and I do our best to support black businesses. That's a great way for us mm -hmm. to, to have um, a seat at the table. We keep our black businesses thriving and growing. We put those business owners in great uh, places of success, not only in the business world, but in the community. When you got a successful business, you have a voice. And when you got a voice, you got a seat at the table. Now, I'm not saying that my answer is the answer. No, it it's, it's an a valid answer. answer. It's one that uh, we need to need to hear and need to be heard. Yeah, it was a great answer. It needs to be heard. Um, you know, as we're, we're running it towards the end uh, of this amazing conversation, because we can obviously keep going on and on. I do have uh, one other question. Um, and it's okay. really a personal thing uh, that I like to ask sometimes. Uh, to our guests. So, you know, if there was one thing that Carl could do um, to improve black America, mm -hmm. you know, what would, what would that be? 
to make an impression upon, uh, and I would have to start with probably with the younger generation, but all, all need to be a part of it. Two major things. Number one, brothers and sisters, respect your woman, respect your man, raise our children the right way. The black family has been torn asunder. We need to have intact families. That is very important for raising uh, well-balanced and healthy children, not just physically healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, psychologically, financially healthy, and to go hand in hand with you know, being the right kind of family to really, really impress upon people how important education is. Not just the college degree, that's part of it, but a continual attitude of intellectual curiosity. Years ago, it was said, if you want to hide anything from an N-word, you put it in a book. We have to have some intellectual curiosity and that has to be uh, bred into our children. Read, read, study, study. Stop asking folks questions and go find the answer. Mm -hmm. The real answer. And then apply it to your life. So to me, the, the unity of the family and uh, getting out of ignorance through education. Some of what mm -hmm. we see now Agreed. is because of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Well, Carl, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to sit down and just really chop it up with us, man. Your, your honesty, your transparency uh, is great. Uh, anything you care to share, go ahead and make this turn and exit on out of today's wonderful show. And hey, listen, I would, I would love, I would love for your audience to be my audience too. And I would love for my audience to be part of your audience. As you know, I always pump y'all stuff. They can find me on Facebook at Carl's Conversations. All one word. Carl's Conversations. No apostrophes, no nothing. All one word. Carl with a C. Carl's Conversations on Facebook and on YouTube. YouTube, Carl's Conversations. And uh, Heart for the Community Initiative, you can find me there on Facebook. We're going we're gonna to stretch out to Instagram and YouTube and all that good stuff. Heart for the Community <laughs> will do it. And for those of you who want to just find me, Carl Armstrong, you can hit me up on Facebook. Uh, I'll be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I truly thank you. Thank you, Carl, so much for being on the show. Um, it's just a blessing to hear your perspectives and uh, your innovation. And I just love that you're so transparent and even in your feelings you know that we we all feel that so comfortable talking to you at least I may be a little biased you know because you know and and people <laughs> and if you guys are out there listening yes please check out Carl's conversation mm -hmm. um I think that Carl's conversation is very in tune with two mics up on the kind of same level. Carl gets deep. He doesn't have preempted questions. That show can go any way that it's going to go, <laughs> that it's going to be. And we have had... <laughs> 
we have had some good conversations, just healing and, you know, working through, you know, as we are here on two mics, I'm just working through and healing the black community and just moving forward because we know the problem, but how do we heal? How do we move on? How do we collectively go as a group? So I think that our audience would definitely enjoy Carl's conversation and heart for the community. So I'm just happy to have you, Carl. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. Thank you all so much. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Um, and, you know, I want our listeners and, and especially people of color to understand this is what supporting black businesses. This is what supporting black in the community looks like, sounds like. And we should be striving toward doing on a daily basis. Um, so listeners, definitely, if you have the opportunity, check Carl out. Carl's Conversations. If you are here in the DMV, if you're in the Stafford, Spotsy, Prince William area, if you haven't checked him out or you haven't checked out Heart for the Community, crawl from under your rock or stop stop playing <laughs> games on your phone and tune in, you know, to Carl, tune in to two mics up. And, you know, I'm just proud to have had the time to uh, have this conversation with you today, Carl. So like Love we always do. Sister. Yes, hey, I love we, y'all. Thank you so much. We love you too. You know, you always got a home here. And like we always do, you can follow Two Mics Up online at www.twomicsup.com. You can follow us on uh, social media, IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Mics Up. And as we always say, as we close out, stay safe, stay blessed. Mike's out. <laughs>